When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the first pick, Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young. Houston coming back up to number three. Day one, when I get there, it's time to work, and we're going win the Super Bowl. J-E-T-S! What a spectacular moment this is for the Porter family. Hey, buddy, this is Dad. You want to come to work with me next week? I will not know. We know a thing or two about football. No, this is American football. So we have no idea what we're doing here, but we're having lots of fun. <laughs> what a weekend it was in Kansas City as the 2023 NFL Draft is officially over. And that means it's time to get ready for the 2023 regular season. Welcome into NFL Live. You know the crew, Dan Orlovsky, Mina Kimes, Marcus Pierce. I'm Phil Yates. <laughs> and let's get things started with our biggest takeaway from the NFL Draft weekend. Mina, you're up first. The AFC South is about to look very different after this draft. Of course, you have the Texans taking C.J. Stroud. You have the Colts taking Anthony Richardson at quarterback. And then Will Levis falls to the Titans. Who knows when he'll start, but I'm guessing he'll get a chance pretty soon. Couple that with, of course, the Jaguars' young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And you have probably the youngest group of quarterbacks in football, one that I'm very excited to watch. The Atlanta Falcons are going to try to make Desmond Ritter into their version of Jalen Hurts. This is a guy who ran for 2,000 yards in college with the addition of B. John Robinson. The run game is going to be heavy RPO, heavy zone read. He's got big bodies on the outside to throw some one-on-one shots through Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Mack Hollins. I think this is going to be a very interesting offense with the addition of B. John Robinson in Atlanta for Desmond Ritter. And I love what Ryan Poles did with the Chicago Bears up front. Obviously, you get the offensive line addressed. You see it here. And then Javon Dexter and Zach on the other side of the ball. By the, by the way, three SEC guys. Let me not fail to mention that. If you want to build the line of scrimmage in the NFL, if you want to come away with a good draft, take three big uglies from the SEC and you will fix things fast. Great job, Ryan Poles and the Bears in this I, draft. I wouldn't call you a big, ugly, personally swag. And that ain't breaking news either. Well, not me. But, but no, I'm, I'm saying mature. you personally. I'm mature. Yeah, that's right. Big sexy from the, uh, from the SEC <laughs> I swag. Of, of course, you appreciated <laughs> that takeaway. So these are three takeaways. Mel Kiper Jr. had to give you 32 takeaways in the form of draft grade. Yeah. Professor Kiper, we call him on this Monday. As usual, feels like at least the Eagles lead the way. And Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, the Eagles selected a pair of players that weren't expected to be available when Philly landed them, 9 and 30th overall. For the Eagles, first five picks were defensive players, the lone exception being offensive lineman Tyler Steen from Alabama via Vanderbilt. Last but not least, Philly made another splash during day three of the draft when they acquired running back DeAndre Swift in a trade with the Lions. Mina, let's talk strategy. What do you think about how Philly executed over the weekend? The Eagles have a very specific organizational philosophy, talked about it leading up to the draft, and they stuck to it. To mm. use the slogan from 
the other team in town that's about to play, they trust their process. They don't yeah. deviate from their firm belief that they should build within from the trenches. And it paid off handsomely because of the players who fell to them in the draft. Obviously, Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, who we've talked about a lot. You know, they came into this draft with needs at safety, linebacker, running back, lower value positions. But they didn't reach for those positions because, again, that's not what the Eagles do. They waited. They got a safety that I really like out of Illinois. Uh, Sydney Brown, they traded a minimal drip, uh, pardon me, a minimal pick for DeAndre Swift. So they filled those needs, but they didn't spend a lot of draft capital on doing so. I just love the way this team approaches roster construction because they're so true to their own identity, and I think it paid off handsomely. Yeah, of all the moves that Harry Roseman, Harry Roseman made this week, I think the Swift one might be the most impressive. You know, when Detroit drafted Jameer Gibbs, we were on, and we were like, well, what's going to, what's this mean for DeAndre Swift? And then it was naturally maybe Philadelphia as a trade option. This is a guy that averages 4.6 yards per carry. And as much as we love Detroit's offensive line, they are not Philadelphia's, nor has he ever had the luxury of playing beside Jalen Hurts. We kind of associated or thought that maybe this team might draft Bijan Robinson. And to Mina's point, they drafted a, or they traded a 2025 fifth round pick or fourth round pick for him. Are you serious? And they're going to pay him $1.7 million this year. The running back room in Philadelphia accounts for 3% of their salary cap. This might be the low risk, high reward move that kind of propels them past Kansas City in a Super Bowl. No doubt, Dio. You called it when we were at the draft when this, when this stuff started buzzing around. But the Philadelphia Eagle Bulldogs did their self a service, not because of Jalen Carter. We all knew that whatever team got Jalen Carter, we were going to give them an A from the football standpoint. I think this Nolan Smith pick late in the first round at 30 could turn out to be the one that has all of our eyes popping out a couple years from now. Now, obviously, he suffered some injuries, but this dude was a five-star coming out of high school. He's known for his speed and ability to press off the edge. We saw her son Reddick. Uh, get to the tune of 20 sacks last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. They got a young one. Mina, you made that comp to Hassan Riddick, but I just wanted to remind people of how valuable this pick may be. Yeah. Nolan Smith could have easily, if not for injury, been a top 10, yeah. top 5. We may have looked at him as the best pass rusher in this league off the edge had it not been for some things that transpired injury-wise at Georgia. That pick to me is the one that we may look up a year or two from yeah. now and say, out of all of the ones, out of all of the things that transpired in this draft, the Nolan Smith pick may end up being the one that Howard Roseman really gets in the Hall of Fame for. So, Dan, <laughs> let's I talk about it so much. You know, I, I'm I, this, laughing. I know, I know, I know, Swaggy. <laughs> tough as a Cowboys fan, I, I, I feel your pain in your heart right now. I Dan. don't. <sighs> of course you don't. do I care about But, it. you know, as we look at this, this Philly roster right now, the measuring stick is the Chiefs, <laughs> the team that beat them in the Super Bowl last year. They lost a lot of players in free agency. How do they sort of stack up relative to where they were last season? Philadelphia? Yeah. It, it, they're very similar to the Kansas City Chiefs of last year. I remember we all talked about it, that the Chiefs were going to be really dependent upon their youth to play meaningful snaps. And they ended up having more snaps on any team in the playoffs played by rookies on the defense side of the, defensive side of the football. Yeah. So I think that's what Philly is. We know their offense is going to be really good. Again, the swift addition is tremendous. If these young players – and I'll remind everybody, they're going to have to play meaningful snaps. Like, if these young players perform to where their draft slot is, Philadelphia will be the, the NFC champion again. If they don't, 
then we could be having a different conversation at the end of the season. Well, at least they're in the NFC, where the margin for error is a bit greater for the teams at the top. Let's go to Seattle, where the Seahawks drafted cornerback Devin Witherspoon, pairing in with 2022 fifth-round pick Tariq Woolen to form one of the best young cornerback duos in the NFL already. Seattle then drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba, giving Geno Smith another target in the passing game alongside DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Mina, is this a team worthy of an A grade in your mind? Yeah, I obviously love their first round. We've talked about it a lot. Um, I thought they came away with the best cornerback in the draft, the best wide receiver in the draft. I'll tell you what, we're, we're going to talk winners later. I don't think we're mentioning him, but Geno Smith is one of the big winners of no this doubt. draft because he now has yes. one of the best wide receiver groups in football, and that offense is going to put up a ton of points. Uh, the defense, I would say, though, is a little bit wait and see for me. As much as I love the Witherspoon pick, as much as I think he's a great fit for that defense and that secondary is going to be incredible, pass rush is still a question mark with this team. They added Draymond Jones, who should give them some push on the interior. I thought Chen Nwosu was very solid last year. But they're going to need one of either Derek Hall, who's more of like a speed-to-power guy out of yeah. Auburn who they drafted this year, or Boye Mafe, who they drafted last year and didn't play a lot. One of those two pass rushers is going to have to take a leap for this defense, I think, to take a leap up front. Yeah, so this is the best wide receiver room in the division now in Seattle with JSN ad added, and also this is the best secondary in the division. Just to roll out like what their secondary is, because I think we can make the case it's probably one of the best or deepest Maybe talented secondaries. Quandre Diggs, mm -hmm. they signed Julian Love and Fragency. Adams is coming back from injury. We got to see what happens if he's going to play safety. Do they? We'll see. Tariq Woolen, we know, had a spectacular rookie year. Kobe Bryant was becoming one of the better nickels in football last year, and then the addition of Witherspoon. You know, like, and I'll ask Mina and Marcus this question. We often say fronts help back ends, like the, mm, the yeah. defensive line helps the coverage unit. I think the Seattle unit could be so good. And, Marcus, maybe you could speak to this a little bit more. Can the Seattle secondary be so good in their back seven that maybe they help their front pass rush a little bit, not, not need to be a dominant unit right away? 100%, bro. It's all timing, right? Like, if you think about if you got a front right. getting pressure, yeah. you're not covering as long and on the back end when you got guys that are sticky. And not only that, Dan, you make a good point. And Mina is very happy about this because they have ball getters. It's a different than having corners that can cover and guys that can actually turn the football over, which in our mind as defensive linemen, it just increases our ability to know that pressures will be devastating yeah. as well, let alone sacks and turnovers. And when you talk about Tariq Woolen and how much he took the ball away last year, Witherspoon has been talked about as a physical corner, but he also takes the football away. And we know Quandre is a, is a ball hawking safety, one that a dude that goes yeah. and gets it. And if Jamal Adams is healthy, a guy that you can add as an extension to your box, yeah. but also can disguise coverage with him, it could get very scary and help that pass rush. And the kid out of Auburn has been compared to Carl Lawson. He's a physical pass rush. I watched a little tape on him after they drafted him. I think he's going to help them off the edge, MK, but that secondary is going to be the calling card. Yeah. I ain't going to say Legion of Boom because they Super Bowl champions and they were dominant. <laughs> but if you look at the talent on the back end, boring, they stay healthy, you can make a hard argument that they could be just as good. I think an example of a team that's built back to front where you have playmakers in the secondary would be Baltimore, Dan, yeah, to yeah. Marcus's yep. point about having yep. a bunch of DBs 
who can turn the ball over um, and exploit extended pressure, even if that front isn't getting to the quarterback. Yeah. Seattle, very different scheme defensively, sure. so I'm not saying it, it is totally comparable. But from you know a team-building standpoint, they appear to be taking that same tact building back-to-front. Back-to-back yeah. -back years of Seattle looking like at least a draft winner, if perhaps not the draft winner, given all those first-round picks they've had over the past two years. We are just getting started here on NFL Live. Mina Khan smiling wide as three quarterbacks went in the top four picks of this year's draft. Did we see all three rookies start on opening day? Find out which QB we think is set up best for success. Plus, one week into Green Bay's new era, and they already have a big decision to make regarding the finances of their new starting quarterback. Here with their GM had to say about picking up Jordan Love's fifth-year option. That's next. NFL Live is brought to you by Miller Lite. Great taste, 96 calories. Tastes like Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. And the all-new Lexus RX. Experience amazing at your Lexus. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This season's NFL schedule release show is happening in a few weeks. Our crew will take you through each team's schedule and break down the biggest matchups in the annual two-hour special. Who are Aaron Rodgers and the Jets going to be playing? How about the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs? We'll have it all for you. NFL Network will also have their own show as well. Time for us to say hello to Adam Schefter for our top stories brought to you by Sleep Number. Schefter, what more can you tell us in regards to that schedule release? Well, it certainly sounds like it's coming next week, Field. And in fact, today, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell was meeting with Mike North. The new schedulings are Howard Katz, Charlotte Carey, Ani Bose, a bunch of NFL officials. And I think they were trying to take the steps to finalize that schedule so that they can announce it next Thursday, which would be May 11th. We'll see whether or not the league can get that done, but it is on track now that Aaron Rodgers has been traded in Lamar's sign. And meanwhile, the Buffalo Bills saw Latavius Murray, the former Broncos, back to a one-year deal today. They now have a pair of power backs in Latavius Murray and Damian Harris, a pair of Elusive backs in Naheem Hines and James Cook. And Buffalo feels like now it has some help in the backfield that it needed to improve that rushing attack this upcoming season. And by this time tomorrow, the Green Bay Packers will have to make a decision on the fifth-year option on Jordan Love or 
$20.2 million. Hard to imagine that they trade Aaron Rodgers last week and then just not pick up the option or allow this year to be the final year on his contract. They want him to be there. They've committed to him. Now we'll see if they're willing to do the same thing financially, Field. All right, the deadline is, Shefty mentioned, 4 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday afternoon. More from Shefty in just a bit. Jordan Love made one start during the first three seasons of his career, which came in 2021 when Aaron Rodgers was out due to COVID-19. If the Packers do exercise that fifth-year option for Love, his one start would be the fewest by any quarterback to have his option exercised since the inception of the option back in 2011. It's not close. The current mark belongs to Patrick Mahomes, who made 31 starts during his first three seasons. Packer GM Brian Gutekinds was asked about the team's, the team's pending decision. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, I got to figure that out by Tuesday, I guess. Yeah, but uh, we're kind of still working through that. We've been so focused on the draft. We've had some preliminary conversations, but we'll get to that before Tuesday. What would be the reason not to? Uh, again, I got to get through that. Um, there's, you know, it's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't, you know, played. But um, at the same time, obviously, we're we're moving forward with him, so we'll we'll figure that out by Tuesday. All right, Dan, you hear that from uh, Gutekus. What's your takeaway from that one? I mean, that was GM a, talk, right? Well, this is big and no-brainer is that we've come across. You 100% have to exercise the fifth-year option, one, because I think Jordan Love is going to outplay the contract just because of how good of a situation it is in Green Bay with the way their roster is constructed, the additions of talent in this draft and some of the young players, two, the self-improvement he showed last year. I understand it wasn't a great body of work, but – when he got on the field, he showed that he was significantly better than the year before. This, this young man is going to have two seasons to prove that he is going to be worthy of a contract extension. And I would say this, the Giants decided not to, rightfully so, pick up Daniel Jones' fifth-year option, and now they're paying him $84 million over two years. That's off one decent season. So I think if you're Green, Green Bay, this is a no-brainer. The addition of Jalen Reed that you added off Michigan State, young Randall Cobb, like I think he's going to – this is going to be a very easy offense for, for a quarterback to play in. Oh, I thought we were going to be on the same page. I vehemently disagree. Um, and I'm all about these dudes getting their money. And it's not Jordan Love's fault. He's a victim of circumstance. He's a victim of what's been going on between Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. And really these fifth-year options are being exercised because you've proven something, and he just hadn't had the ability to – now, Dan, I agree with you if you want to go off perceived what he's going to do or what he's going to accomplish if yeah. Green Bay is willing to make that bet. But usually when you get to this point, there is some type of proof that you got a guy for the long haul. At least with your example in Daniel Jones' situation, you saw the, 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 the connection between him and Brian Dayball, and you got some semblance of what your offense could potentially be. With Jordan Love, I agree. I think he's going to be fine. I did see improvement. But if you basing this type of money on improvement from one game starting and not a lot of reps, that would be very difficult for Brian Gutekunst and this organization to do at this point, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, if you pay him, I'm happy for him, and I, I'm happy for the player to get money, but there is no proof that he should get a fifth-year option exercise. It's really interesting, Mina. I wonder if, like, a recent memory might influence this. Last year, the Giants declined their fifth-year option after the Browns and mm -hmm. probably the Panthers regretted picking up the options for Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Maybe the Packers will say, well, we can't decline the option after what happened last year with the Giants. But let me ask you about the draft. You think they did enough to help Jordan Love this year through the draft? 
I do. I mean, I spoke earlier about the Eagles and their organizational philosophy. The Packers stuck to their process as well, going defense in the first round. But I don't mind it. I thought the Lewis Van Ness was a good pick for them. And I also like the focus on grabbing the two tight ends, um, which for a couple of reasons. Tight end was a need on this team. We talked about that. But I also think Matt LaFleur is exceptional at calling plays for tight ends. This is a team that used more 12 personnel, meaning two tight ends, than just about any team in the NFL last year was extremely efficient in doing so, and that was with primarily blocking tight right. ends. And Robert Tunyon, Luke Musgrave in particular out of Oregon State, I really love for this offense. Um, you know, just a very unique athlete, tore up the combine, has the speed and separation ability to threaten at all three levels. So he, he's more of a move tight end, meaning not an inline blocker. But again, if there's one guy who I think will do a fantastic job of scheming up uh, targets for him. It's Matt LaFleur, and I think he's going to be a reliable target for Love. Yeah, and, and that's why I think the quarterback's going to play so well. Mina, you know this stuff better than, I, I would say, us. Isn't this the perfect situation for why the fifth-year option was invented? Like, we're unsure of, so we want that fifth year at this cost before we fork over a ton of money? Yeah, it's like a pre-franchise tag. And by the way, they have the tag as well after that. I, I would say this too, guys. The Packers know more about Jordan Love than anyone, than any of us. They were confident enough in him to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And I suspect if they do pick up the option, it'll be not just because of what they saw in action in Philadelphia last year, where he looked good, but also what they've seen over the last couple of years. So again, the deadline is 4 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow to make that decision. We unfortunately have some heartbreaking news share from the NFL this weekend. Araya Barrett, the two-year-old daughter of Buccaneers linebacker Shaquille Barrett, drowned Sunday morning in her family's swimming pool. She was the youngest of Barrett's four children with his wife Jordana. An investigation is ongoing, but Tampa police said Sunday this is believed to be a purely accidental and tragic incident. The Buccaneers said this, quote, while no words can provide true comfort at a time such as this, we offer our support and love as they begin to process this very profound loss of their beloved Araya, end quote. Our hearts go out to the Barrett family. More NFL Live after this. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Welcome to Kansas City in the 2023 NFL Draft with the first pick, Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young. That is patented Bryce Young magic. With the second pick, the Houston Texans select C.J. Stroud. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Join these stars now. The Tennessee Titans select Will Levis. A quarterback's a big story of the draft in Kansas City, but how do you like each of the fits? Let's play a little game of read and react, starting with the first overall pick, Bryce Young to the Panthers. And who better to have reacting to this fit than the man who the is goat. the NFL draft? The GOAT, Mel Kuyper Jr. Hello, Mel. And what do you think about this fit between the Panthers and Bryce Young? Feel tremendous fit. The infrastructure's in place from a coaching standpoint. The personnel, both young and veteran, is there. This team is ready. This division doesn't have Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Matt Ryan anymore. So for Bryce Young, perfect. Everything was set up. Andy Dalton to mentor him, the O-line. They say the running game. Everything is in place for this team, I think, to maybe make the playoffs. On to the Texans, who have Davis Mills already on the roster. Well, they took C.J. Stroud with the number two pick, finally. Marcus, do you think you like this fit with Houston and what C.J. Stroud can bring to this offense? I love the fit, babyface, and, and for two reasons. I think C.J. Stroud is a very cerebral quarterback, understands coverages, sees the field very well, but it's because of 25 starts in college. And the most important thing you have to do as a rookie coming into the league is value the football. Over his 25 starts, it was 85 touchdowns and only 12 interceptions. I think they hit a home run with C.J. Stroud. I think they have a calm quarterback that has a lot of poise and is probably as pure of a pocket passer as we've seen come out when we don't talk about athleticism as well as pocket passing and the ability to maneuver in the pocket. We'll stay in the division as the Colts acquired Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson with the fourth overall pick. Dan, put a grade on this one. I love it. And I always say this, players should never fit into a system. They should thrive. This is the NFL and he's the fourth pick. Mm. Really what I want to pay attention to now is how do they build their offensive game plans around Anthony Richardson. Look for like 20 to 25 passes a game. How many different zone reader RPOs? 15 a game, maybe six or eight designed runs. That's the weapon that he needs to be used as. And I will say this, Josh Downs addition makes that easy throw guy for Anthony Richardson. Get him on the field. All right, and finally on to the quarterback that slid as Will Levis ends up going round two. There was some thought he could find his way up into the top 10. Mina, the Titans were projected to trade up, but instead going for a different quarterback. Does this fit make sense for Will Levis in Tennessee? It makes a lot of sense, and frankly, Will Levis reminds me a lot of Ryan Tannehill. Maybe yes. that's why it's so easy for me to imagine him in this offense. They have that same big arm, the toughness, the underrated rushing ability, and it will require, I think, Will Levis will need the same offense, emphasis on play action, throws over the middle of the field. The other reason I like it for Levis is he doesn't have to start it right away, which I think for him in this offense, with this offensive line and its deficiencies, could be a blessing. He probably doesn't need to hear it from me, but Will, this is just the beginning of your journey, not yeah. the end of it at all, my friend. Going in the top of the second round is just the start. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud plus Anthony Richardson were all drafted at the top of the first round, specifically within the first four picks, marking the fourth time in the common draft era that three quarterbacks were selected within the first four picks. It also happened two years ago. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance all went top four. Both Lawrence and Wilson started in week one of the rookie seasons. Of course, Lance did not. So, Dan, as we sit here today, do you feel like all three of these guys should be day one starters for their respective teams? I do. I would play all three of them from snap number one. And I think it's kind of twofold. One, 
the individual player than to the people that they're with. If you look at Bryce Young, I think how fast he processes information, how fast he sees things within the defense, and they can live in a little bit of an RPO world. CJ Stroud, you could like you have a very good understanding that he's gonna know your playbook just watching his tape. And then Anthony, strictly because of the athleticism that you know that you can utilize that athleticism to make sure that you simplify defenses. And then when it comes to like the people that you're they're around with, don't forget Frank Reich, who's the head coach of Carolina, had Carson Wentz starting when he was a rookie. Um, if you look at C.J. Stroud, they just had in San Francisco, Bobby Slowick, his offensive coordinator, yeah. just had Brock Purdy, a rookie. And if you go to Anthony Richards, Richardson, Shane Steichen, his head coach, had Justin Herbert was in, when he was a rookie. So all three of those guys have traits that would allow them to play, and all three are surrounded by people that have recently dealt with and handled rookie quarterbacks and know kind of how to build things around them to get them in the best possible situations. That's a really good point. And I think it's worth like looking at all three of these teams and noting none of them are nightmare situations, which is interesting because yeah. usually when a team's taking a quarterback at that early in the draft, um, there are major flaws with the roster. But while none of these skill groups, I think, would rank in the top 15 or top 10 to 12 in the NFL, probably not even in the top half. Sure. Um, they all have solid pass catching options, and more importantly, I actually think decent offensive lines, in particular Carolina, which I think has one of the ascending young offensive lines in the NFL, and yep. is probably the reason why we all like that for Bryce Young so much. Uh, but none of these guys are walking in like David Carr did to Houston so many years ago. Totally. I also think, more broadly, the NFL is better at designing offenses for young quarterbacks straight out of college than it was even five, ten years in 100%. the past. Mm. You know, for so long we'd say there was this adjustment period. You got to come in, you got to learn a pro-style offense. But the NFL looks a lot more like college football than it did. And, and for these quarterbacks uh, coming in and, and partnering with the coaches that Dan described, I don't think the adjustment period will be that challenging. MK, that's the point. The point is the fact that these offensive systems are being tailored. Dan and I are of a generation where you get players and you try to make them fit into what you do system-wise, yeah. especially at the quarterback spot. Now, that's why I think Bryce Young is in the best situation, obviously because of what he's surrounded with and to your point, that offensive line. But it also is why I believe Anthony Richardson went fourth and you could justify it with the low number of reps. And it's also why I think he's going to have a tremendous amount of success because of what you said, MK. Familiarity breeds confidence when you're used to doing something. Now, I think if any of these coaches that are smart and, and all of these guys have proven to be over their time, they are going to put these young men in advantageous situations based on what they studied film-wise of them playing previously in college. But I look at Anthony Richardson in a very, very, very different light. Because we've talked about the development that it's going to take. And people scratch their head about the fourth pick. That development is going to be sped up because he's going to be a lot familiar with what Shane Steichen is going to be asking them to do. Marcus, exactly. And I think when you look at Anthony Richardson, with that running ability, despite 13 career starts, you can get him on the field. You can have packages for him, and you can obviously have Gardner Minshew out there. To Mina's point, these teams aren't awful. So there's a supporting cast. There's an infrastructure in place with a lot of these organizations to allow for them to have success and not get destroyed and beat up with their confidence lost and maybe them hurt as well and injured moving forward. So I like all the spots, and I think they're all going to be on the field. I'm not going to be stubborn about this anymore and act like it's 1985, yeah. 1995. 
these sure. kids are all going to play this year. Let the kids play is what they are all saying. We can't wait to see them on the field come this <laughs> fall. All right, coming up next, the Lions yeah, score yeah, on mail. Professor Kuyper's draft grade board. Did they do enough in this year's draft class to compete in the NFC? Here, why Dan is calling Detroit the biggest threat to Philly. Up next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The inaugural XFL Championship game is Saturday, May 13th. The Arlington Renegades square off against the D.C. Defenders. It's the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Plus. All right, so back to the draft grades. And remember, the Lions initially had the sixth overall pick in the draft. They traded back to 12, and then they surprised many when they selected a running back in Alabama's Jameer Gibbs with that 12th. Their next pick was also a surprise to some as they took linebacker Jack Campbell from Iowa, 18th overall. They earned a B grade from Professor Kuyper. Swaggo, you're up first. Do you agree with this assessment of this, uh, of this draft? Yeah, I do. I do. I think, first of all, we were all, me, Dan, and MK and the NFL Live crew, Babyface, which you're a part of as well, we were all kind of perplexed with the Jameer Gibbs pick. We were trying to figure out what the hell was the Detroit Lions doing at number 12. Now, it began to unfold and make a little bit of sense after we saw the trade for DeAndre Swift, and that's something that Dan called. He was like, they must be, it's something going on in that running back room. Mm. The order shook people up, but as this draft unfolded, it was actually, they actually did a, a really good job. Uh, I like a lot of these players. I actually like uh, Campbell, the linebacker who's rangy, a guy that also will come down and hit. You got Laporte, obviously, and then Brian Branch. I'm going to mean obviously to talk about him. But, man, it was it was yeah. just like all of this talk leading up about running backs <laughs> and going high. And it was something that we had not seen for the – I don't think anybody in the draft mm -hmm. buzz had a running back attached to the Detroit Lions. So the order shook us up. But as this thing continued to play out, I think they actually did a really good job in this draft, and this team is going to be uh, something to be to be messed with in the NFC. You know the meme of the girl trying kombucha for the first time where she's like, maybe? No. <laughs> okay, if you haven't seen it, it makes no sense. Anyways, if you have seen it, that's exactly how I felt when the Lions draft came in where I was like, no, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting because yeah. I, I think the, the the thing that when you look at all their picks as a whole, what really jumps out, especially with these first four starting you know, uh, Stand by for a second my here. Break, a little, 
Mina, we lost you there for a second, but by the way, you did stick Mina Pixley. on that meme metaphor right there. So, Dan, do you want to continue the thoughts on the Detroit Lions and work through some tech issues? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the draft. I think, first of all, we got to make a de declaration that the AFC is a pass-first conference and the NFC is a run-first conference. Yeah. And so teams have to draft specific to who they are and what conference they're in. If you're a person that's going to help score points through the air or stop it, you're an AFC pick. And the NFC, it's how can we run the ball better or stop it? And I think that's where Detroit kind of played in. One, Jameer Gibbs is not going to be a running back. Jameer Gibbs is going to be used like Adebo Samuel is in San Francisco. Mm. Remember Percy Harvin back in, with the Minnesota Vikings days. How many different ways can they get him touches in space? That's kind of the identity of San, or, excuse, San Francisco, yeah. Detroit's offense. I love Laporta. Sam Laporta, the tight end that they drafted out of Iowa, is one of the more complete tight ends in this draft class. So we're talking about a team that wants to run the football, utilize play action. You have to have a tight end that could do both in that branch. I, I love that addition. So, I, I, like, for the linebacker, Jack Campbell, everyone's sitting here going, well, he's not a true cover linebacker. That's where the NFC conversation comes in. Mm. If you're the Detroit Lions, and I think they're just as equipped as San Francisco to go knock off Philadelphia, you got to stop the run. You got to be able to come downhill, be physical and violent, and put your face on people to beat Philadelphia, yeah. to beat San Francisco. That's why that draft pick for Detroit is very specific to their football team, and that's why I like their class. Yeah, I understand process and taking players sort of where they are projected to go. The one thing I will say in defense of Detroit is we all spent last year praising the Lions for developing this roster with the very specific identity. Exactly. And then they found two players who fit that identity, and we're all up in arms about, oh, my gosh, Jameer Gibbs and Jack Gamble. What exactly yeah. are you thinking? very specific way they're going to play they, ball, and that's in the whole conference. They know what a lion is. Yeah, yeah. They that, sure, they that's sure. the point, Dan. Yep. The so point I, is they, they have an identity now. Yep, they and sure for did. a long time, we talked about Detroit not having one. Right. Yep, they did. Uh, they do now. That much is for sure. Time now for us to get into some – Draft read, excuse me, quick reads on the other side of the coin, the draft disappointments. Dan, you're first here. I'm going to go New England. Listen, Mac Jones is going into a really important year, not only for himself, but his future and his organizations. I thought pass catching option would be the best thing for them early on. His leading pass catcher is Juju Smith-Schuster at 73 catches last year. Mm. The second pass catcher is somewhere in the 30s. We're in a division with Josh Allen's got three or four guys. Tua's got three or four guys. Aaron Rodgers got three or four guys. I don't think there's enough weaponry in New England to really put a great team and their quarterback in a, in a very good situation this season. Yeah, Dio, I'm going to go to the Chargers, man. It was a little bit of a head scratcher for me with the Quinn Johnson pick. Uh, wide receiver out of TCU, a phenomenal guy that can stretch the field, but it was just perplexing because that's Mike Williams for y'all. Mm. That is Keenan Allen as well, who, who really works third down and works the middle of the field in Keenan Allen. I thought they needed a shifty guy in this offense at wide receiver. Get the ball out of Justin Herbert hand fast and let him create. So this one made me scratch my head a little bit from the Chargers. So we all assumed that the Jets were going to draft an offensive tackle in the first round to protect Aaron Rodgers. They got jumped. The Steelers took one, and as a result, the Jets ended up taking uh, an underrated pass rusher in Will McDonald. But I've got Aaron Rodgers as being one of the losers from the draft because he didn't get his protection shored up and I can tell you that uh, they would have benefited from adding one. Yeah, Roger Jones was sitting right there for Mina and for the Mina until the Pittsburgh Steelers made the move up to grab the former Georgia standout left tackle. Good to have Mina back and we still have more to cover here on NFL Live. The Texans came up big in the first round with both CJ Stroud 
and Will Anderson Jr., but someone here thinks Houston's draft wasn't as good as everybody else does. Find out who it is next. NFL Live is brought to you by the Bobcat Company. All right, we're back here in NFL Live. We're recapping all of our favorite draft moves from this weekend. Let's do some quick reads and how about some draft winners. Mina, you're up first. Yeah, I, I really liked the Steelers yeah. draft. I feel like it, their needs aligned with the players they took. Start off with Broderick Jones, Jones uh, out of Georgia, finally shoring up that tackle position to protect Kenny Pickett. You didn't have to give up, give up much to go up and get him. Then Joey Porter Jr., who I view as a first-round talent, fell to them in the second round. Again, cornerback, a big need for this team. You get Darnell Washington, who was a steal where they ended up drafting him later at tight end, and then uh, Keanu Benton as well in the defensive line. we, we got to throw some love to the Bears general manager, Ryan Poles. Last year, this was the worst situation quarterback-wise in the NFL. Now it's become one that's really good, and I love Darnell Wright, who's going to play tackle for them. They added Nate Davis at guard. They got two new starters in this offseason in addition to some of the perimeter help. Justin Fields is going to have a really good opportunity to excel as his career goes forward in Chicago. Hey, man, Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen, absolutely phenomenal. Taking Anthony Richardson. You did something that a lot of people had their heads scratched about, but you also understood the trend of the league. I heard Dan Orlowski break Anthony Richardson down from the time we started this draft process all the way up until he was drafted. You have a chance to have a absolute superstar play yeah. quarterback, and you went for it without blinking. That is a phenomenal job by the Indianapolis Colts, and we are rooting for Anthony Richardson because he's one of those guys that we think can change this league a little bit. And by the way, this division getting kind of fun as we stay in the AFC South. The Texans, who became the first team to make two of the first three picks of a single draft since Washington did so back in 2000. Houston selected C.J. Stroud with the second pick, then sets a Hall of Draft picks to the Cardinals in exchange for the third overall selection. That was used on Will Anderson Jr., the talented pass rusher from Alabama. Dan, do you think Houston made the right moves trading up? I do, because here's the thing. Like, so they take C.J. Stroud at two and then trade up to go get Will Anderson at three. Yeah. And I started to think, what happens if the picks were flipped? Like, if, if they took Will Anderson at two mm. and then traded up and gave up what they did, which was pricey for C.J. Stroud, we all, I think, would be sitting here going, like, great move. Mm. You know, it was worth it. You got your franchise quarterback, Houston. I think that's the prism that we should look at it is to go get those two players while pricey if it was a quarterback that they went to go get three. And also, Tennessee, if they had let C.J. Stroud go to number three, I would imagine many more teams would have moved up to go, try and go get him, mainly Tennessee. And also, it would have costed Houston more if they wanted to go get it. So I think flipping those sticks kind of changes the vantage point. I hear you. She it's just kind of <laughs> like after the fact justification um, because that's just not the order in which things happened. You know, I mean, the, like, right. okay, it would be like if you spent $5,000 on a car okay. and then $15,000 on tires and said, well, I was planning on spending $20,000 on a car, so it worked out. When the reality is, you could have <laughs> walked out with a car for much less and then invested that $15,000 and potentially doubled your earnings, which by the way, is how I view those draft picks <laughs> in the future. Just... This is a part of the reason why I sort of object to this thinking. Next year's draft, we know the picks at the top are going to be worth 
so much. This is why I love this for Arizona so much because of the uh, quarterbacks. And Houston just gave up immensely valuable draft capital. Look, if Will Anderson is Miles Garrett or something, yeah. it'll be worth it. Right. But to me, when you take into account the amount you spent on him, not on the quarterback position, on him, because that was a choice that they made, there's a ton of pressure on him to produce at a very high level because of what they gave up in the future. We've got a set divided. So let's bring Shefty in for more context on yeah. what exactly went into this decision. <laughs> Well, I think what happened is that Will Anderson, there are people who believe, had the highest grade on the Texans' board. And I think the Texans viewed it as they were getting both, which is why they traded all that they did. Not to get Will Anderson, but to get C.J. Stroud. They paid a quarterback price knowing that they were locking in picks two and three, and they were really interchangeable. They could have gone Will Anderson at two and then taken C.J. Stroud at three, but because he's the face of your franchise, because maybe he got beat up some mentally during the pre-draft process, they made C.J. Stroud the named number two pick. But this was pick 2A and 2B, and they went together. And part of the reason they had the trade in place with Arizona was they knew that they were able to get both players, which is why they paid the steep price that they did. And we could see whether or not that's worth it. But me, to me, Mina made the point, right? This is all about how Will Anderson performs during this contract. Because we will revisit how much they gave up if Will Anderson doesn't pan out. As, as the guy, we all think he will, but we're going to revisit the, the, the number of picks that they gave up. Yeah. We in that process now with Trey Lance. Like, th if Trey Lance was balling out of his mind and the starter clearly for the San Francisco 49ers, we okay, wouldn't be talking working. about those picks. Mm. And one of those picks well, operating as Michael Parsons for the Dallas Cowboys. It's all about the you know, you know well, well, for me, for me, Shefty, the, the positional value for C.J. Stroud, we see people reach for quarterbacks all the time. If you reach for a DN and he don't turn out, that is to me more catastrophic than of a bet when you talk about organizationally than go and try to get a quarterback. Right, so mental note made that we need to revisit this topic. And I'm not talking about like a few years down the line, but like maybe on the show tomorrow because there is so much to unpack regarding this trade-up. As always, we have time for one more thing here on NFL Live. And just when you thought you knew it all, DeAndre Hopkins went on Instagram this afternoon and posted something interesting. Take a listen. I see everybody telling me to stay. Who said I want to go? Who said I wanted to leave? I'm out here working, baby. All right, so now, now DeAndre Hopkins wants to stay at Cardinal Shefty. Is there any chance this could actually happen? <laughs> well, listen, I think that a lot of teams balked at the price it would have taken to sign him and compensate the Cardinals. So, yeah, looks like he's back for now. Okay, Arizona's a great place to <laughs> win, by the way. NFL Live <laughs> is back to more from Mina Dance Wagyu Shefty. I'm Field to see you there. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.